Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has all of your props, odds, promos, and parlays for the 2023 NBA Finals. Use our promo code BLEAVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. scoring team in the league and the last team to make it into the Eastern Conference playoffs they lost only after they had won three straight games to start this series so it was a game seven they stand eye to eye with history and they did not blink the Heat are going to the NBA Finals what a win on the road third win in this series for the Heat in Miami. It'll be the Heat and the Western Conference champion Denver Nuggets. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, whenever you may be listening, thank you. For stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. Oh, the Boston Celtic downfall. I don't understand why the Boston Celtics losing just always tickles me. Just that entire second half of that game, just like like tickling me the whole way through. God, I just couldn't believe it. This is the Take It Easy podcast. We're coming to you live after game seven between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Wow, the the Celtics lost. I feel like I've just been laughing for an hour straight. I don't know why the Celtics getting beat down in a game seven just tickled me the way it did. I think it's always it's always feels good when a Boston team loses because they care so much and I'm a sports anarchist. Just having Morgan from Australia feel that pain having our friend cam from dsd feel that pain having our friend juju talk sports feel that pain of getting the break speed off at home in a game seven you were down three games to zero the entire pregame on tnt on all these networks was leading up to them culminating this with a victory vegas had not just Celtics as a seven and a half point favorite, they were hedging heavy on the Celtics. Vegas was taking heavy, heavy bets on the Miami Heat, thinking the Celtics would blow the doors off Miami, thinking that Boston would win that game. 
and Vegas took a bloodbath. Celtics fans took a bloodbath. Miami walks out as champions of the Eastern Conference, beat the brakes off the Boston Celtics. The Celtics started the game 0 for 12 from the field or from the three-point line. First possession of the game, Jason Tatum rolls his ankle and is never quite the same since. Jalen Brown throws up 20 shots, finishes with 18 points. Derek White at one point tried to storm them back with a 15-7 run where Derek White had 10 of the points for the Celtics. And in the end, it just didn't matter because the Miami Heat whooped the ass of the Boston Celtics. The whole ass got whooped. In the third quarter, Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin, the dynamic one-two punch. Nevada's Mountain West, Caleb Martin. The Mountain West's own Caleb Martin wins the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, carries the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler past the Boston Celtics and a defensive effort that will live on for ages. Bam Adebayo was one for six from the field. In the first half, he was one for four, and he still was the highest plus-minus on the Miami Heat in the first half. Defensively came through. Celtics couldn't hit shots. I was waiting for that Celtic run where they just start burying three-pointer after three-pointer, a 20-5 run or a 18-3 run. I was waiting for it to happen, and it just never came through. Gabe Vincent hit a three-pointer in the first half. Uh, Max Struess hit a three-pointer in the first half. Kyle Lowry hit a three-pointer. Duncan Robinson hit a three-pointer. Caleb Martin hit two of them. Miami spread the wealth across the field. Everyone hit shots in some way, shape, or form. And then when the going got tough, it was Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, one-two punch to put the Celtics to bed. And the fourth quarter just tickled me, just tickled me all the way through. Just every time, I was just laughing laughing, laughing, laughing at what was to become of the Celtics at the very end of this entire playoff run. And it's just felt good to see them lose. Just felt so good. Here is the Miami Heat's trophy presentation, courtesy of TNT. You're going to hear Ernie Johnson bring up uh, some ironic fact about the Eastern Conference Final trophy and the Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy, as well as uh, hear from Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Fans, now for the presentation of the Bob Cousy Trophy to the 2022-23 NBA Conference Champions and the Larry Bird Trophy to the 2023 NBA Eastern Conference Finals Most Valuable Player, please welcome TNT's Ernie Johnson. All right, thank you very much. Um, A best of seven that went the distance. And uh, I know that the... uh, TD Garden is emptying out, and there's a lot of disappointment for the home team here, but we are here to congratulate the Eastern Conference champions. So we do have two pieces of hardware, and they're named for Boston Celtic legends, and the irony is not lost on me, believe me. Bob Cousy Trophy for the champions of the Eastern Conference first, and then the Larry Bird Trophy to the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think you all recognize the man who was going to do the honors. This is Alonzo Mourning. This is the franchise. Thank you. That's a proud moment for our franchise. It gives me great pleasure to present 
the 2023 Eastern Conference Championship Trophy to your Miami Heat. That's the Bob Cousy Trophy to the Heat. Bam, you've got this in your hands. I'm going to ask you the questions. This, everybody was, everybody was wondering when you take a gut punch like you took in, in game six, how you would come back, how you would respond, and what was the thought process going into game seven here? Man, just a win. Uh, everybody rallied around each other. You know, Spo got us in and made us uh, watch an inspirational video for 15 minutes, and I guess it fooled us. What was the inspirational video? Ah, uh, man, just stand together. You know, the ship get rocky, just stay together and keep believing in one another. Um, Spo, you're right here. You have to answer that question. What's the inspirational video you showed your team? No, it wasn't about the video. It's just about an incredible group of uh, men right here. We are the men in the arena with our dust, sweat, and blood on our faces. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people can relate to this team. Because, uh, you know, sometimes you have to suffer, you know, for the things that you really want. Uh, and this group has shown fortitude uh, when there are inevitable letdowns uh, and failures. But uh, to have that perseverance to pick yourself up, have that collective spirit to keep on forging ahead until, uh, until you get to accomplish what you want to. Um, we, we still have more to do, but, uh, you know, we do want to tip our hats to the Boston Celtics and their organization. They are first class. Uh, and... They made us get better. They made us get better. Last year was extremely painful. We thought about it all, all season long. Uh, and if you don't have an opponent like that to bring you to a different level, sometimes you don't get there. Spo, congratulations. Going to the finals. Nice going. All right. Let's give this one out to the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Larry Bird Trophy. And Alonzo? Jimmy Butler. You know, Jimmy, late in this, late in our telecast tonight in the fourth quarter, they replayed a clip from last year after the Eastern Conference Finals when you said a year from now we're going to be back, we're going to be in the same position, and we're going to get it done. How did you know that? Uh, I have so much belief in myself and this group of guys um, in the squad that uh, Coach Pat and Spo and everybody else put together. Um, I see it every single day. I know how good of players that we have. I know how good of a team we are, and we made it happen. Uh, saw Pat Riley here moments ago, and years and years ago, Jimmy, when I had just started at TNT, which is about 30-something years ago, I interviewed Pat, and he said, in basketball, there are two things. There's winning, and there's misery. And you've experienced both now in 48 hours. How did you come back from game six? Uh, we, we stayed together as a group, as a team. We talked about going to get a tough one on the road. We did just that, um, but we're not satisfied. We're excited. We're happy, but we got four more to get. Your old college coach, Buzz Williams, he and I were swapping texts, and I asked him about coaching you and what made you special at that point. He said it was an uncanny basketball IQ, and it was never being satisfied. You just, you just referred to that, too. So how does that how does that translate into an NBA Finals appearance against the Denver Nuggets? I mean, more than anything, I think Buzz taught me to rely and trust my teammates with everything. Um, I do the same thing here with Spo. 
Um, my teammates give me so much confidence and belief to go out there and just hoop at a high level. I'm so very appreciative and grateful for them, um, and they're the reason why we're winning games. You hooped at a high level tonight. I congratulate you. Nice going, and good luck in the finals. Bo, thank you, too, very much. Here are your Eastern Conference champions heading to the NBA Finals against the Denver Nuggets, the Miami Heat. That was the post-game trophy celebration courtesy of TNT. So much I want to get to, so little time. We'll have time to do the actual analysis stuff later. Right now, I want to partake in one of my favorite traditions throughout the playoffs. And we've only talked about this once or twice on the show. I've mentioned it a couple more times on Sports Talk Radio. One of my favorite activities during the playoffs is listening to passive-aggressive Joe Missoula after the Celtics lose. Because goddamn Joe Missoula, maybe he hasn't had enough media training I'm surprised this has gone underreported. That man is so passive-aggressive when his team loses, when his team is down, when he gets questioned about things that seem obvious. Even the coach-speak stuff talks around it. Like, when Michael Malone gives those comments that go viral, he's very good at talking around the stuff that's actually inflammatory until he hits you with the one quotable comment. Joe Missoula, it's like every time it's passive-aggressive and you can't keep up with it. Here is passive-aggressive Joe Missoula's final press conference for the season. I just want to share all of it with you guys just so you can get a taste, a taste of passive-aggressive Joe Missoula that I've been enjoying as a sports radio host, as a sports radio producer going through sound for the past five to six months. Passive-aggressive Joe Missoula is just wonderful. Uh, it's one of the best I've been a part of. Uh, the guys cared. Um, they gave it everything they had. It's the most important thing um, to take from this. Um, obviously, we didn't achieve our goal. We didn't win, uh, which was our goal. So uh, we failed in that regard. Um, but it's not because the guys didn't have a sense of togetherness, character, um, you know, and just who they are as people. Joe, to your left. Uh, game six, you guys shot 20% from three, but found a way to win. What was missing today to overcome that where your favorite part of the offense, the one you rely on, didn't pull through? Yeah. Um, I thought they, they made shots. Um, you know, we weren't as efficient in transition. Uh, just thought we just, just didn't play well, you know. That just, just didn't play well, yeah. And I know just fresh off going in the locker room and talking to the guys, but what's the message to them if you talk to them at all after? Uh, like I said, just uh, I love them, and they need to know. When we were down 3-0, the, que- the thing was, how do we want to be defined? You know, And uh, I thought they showed a lot of character by even getting to this point. Joe, obviously, in a situation like this, there's a tendency to kind of look back at missed opportunities. Do you look back at maybe a game two? And you know, do you, do you look back with any regret at some of the things you maybe you could have done to, to win earlier rather than put yourself in this situation? No. This this has been kind of a, a crazy journey for you guys from the start. You got thrust into the job just a few days before the season started. Um, how do you reflect or how will you reflect once you step away from this a little bit about this experience and, and this team? What do we have to do to get better, I think, is what we have to learn from that. Regardless of those circumstances, um, you know, the guys, like I said, the locker room showed a sense of toughness and togetherness, you know, starting out the season a certain way and getting to this point. And uh, we just got to figure out how to be better.
Joe, obviously uh, you almost made history. What do you think the difference was at the end in this series for you guys? And, and I guess how proud are you of this group, the way that they did show uh, the character in coming back? Yeah, that's the most, you know, the, the most important thing is that. Uh, they could have easily have folded, and they didn't. And so uh, that's just who they are, as people have said it all year long. Um, you know, and I thought the difference was they played, they played better than we did for, for longer stretches. And so, um, you know, that's it. Joe, um, Malcolm came back tonight. Obviously, didn't have his best, but tried to get it through. How tough is it from you, from a coaching standpoint, to the Lillian there between you know trying to give a guy a chance there and knowing that he might you know not be close to 100 percent when he's when he's out there? Uh, it's not tough. I think just knowing the guys and understanding that if they're going to do everything they can to play, um, you know, we have to give him that opportunity. And so he did everything he could, and you know, he just he just didn't have it. Yeah, Joe, um, uh, uh, it's, you're underplaying it. It, it. Your best player was injured on the first play of the game, and they were coming after you defensively. Can you just talk about how much – I know you don't want to make excuses, but your best player was hurt. What do you want me to say? You answered it for me. They, they, you know, they, they, they played well. The Heat played better than we did, and that's, that's it. You know, credit to them. Um, we didn't play well tonight. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. My favorite line, my favorite line of the entire Joe Missoula press conference to end his season and what might end up being his last press conference as head coach of the Boston Celtics, capping off a beautiful year and a beautiful postseason of passive-aggressive comments. I think my favorite part of that playoff run for or the my favorite part, there were a couple other really good quotes, but my favorite part of that end of season press conference is when they ask him a question that involves like obviously there's no excuses, but like your best player got hurt on the first play of the game. And he hit him with the well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? He also just responded to one of the questions with a no. And that was it. Just the most passive aggressive dude. Just Whew, Joe Mazzulla was feeling spicy. We got so much to get to, such little time. Here is Inside the NBA breaking down the game with their highlight reel. It's always good, entertaining. They're talking over. You don't really need to see the highlights to kind of know what's going on. Courtesy of TNT. Boom and Arnie. And Butler for three, knocks it down. Double digit lead on the road for the Heat. Butler again. He had no hesitation in his game today. And Ernie, you hit tough shots when you take great shots. When you take a plethora of good shots, you're able to hit a tough shot. Butler weaving into the paint for a couple. The lead. 14. This game is pretty much over. Derek White. That's a, even though he made that, that's a tough shot, man. 
So they were down 11. Can you get it into single digits? I was so proud of Derek White. He was the only one out there fighting tonight. Not fighting. He's the only one making the right decisions. Yeah, yeah, I yeah but he actually that. went to the basket sometimes. Something you don't see from the Celtics. Look at here. There's yeah, another yeah. example. Yeah, go to the basket. Feel free. I mean, you can't shoot layups, uh, guys. Mix no. it up. And now an eight-point game under five minutes to play in the third. And here go the guy right here, man. I, I, I was shocked when you said Jimmy Butler. No disrespect to Jimmy Butler, but this guy should have been the MVP. He was shooting that thing like Mike. Oh, Look at Abdul Rauf out there today. Look at this, man. Ah. They're going to be calling him Mr. Martin at the bank soon. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and, they hey, stand up when and, they, and when he walk in the bank, you better not be sitting down, bank manager. But he's going to get paid. 13-point game. Butler again. Again, you know, I said this the other day. When you're a great player and you acknowledge you have a bad game, you never want to have two bad games in a row. Jimmy stepped up tonight for his team. And they're loving it at the viewing party at Kaseya Center down there in South Florida. And then everything falling down the stretch. Well, the house is on fire at this point. The, the first three minutes of the game, I looked over at Kenny and you, Ernie, and I was going, uh-oh. It didn't look good. And the impressive Miami win. Heat. Impressive win. That was an impressive show. It was. It was. It's a season-low 84 for the uh, Celtics, and it comes in Game 7. Under the circumstances, Ernie. Of the Eastern Conference Rhinos. That, that might be, that goes up there with that loss in terms of heroic efforts. Yes. After that, after what happened, that's, that's very hard as an athlete you, you, you to know, do. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, number one, they didn't win the game. When, when Ray Allen hit that three, I said, man, there's no way the Spurs can be up for game seven. And because of Pop and the leaders they had, they lost, but they came out. But they were play. in it, yeah. Yes, but tonight, it's give Coach Spo a lot of credit and Jimmy a lot of credit because the two leaders set the tone. And, man, that was impressive. Meantime, season ends for the Boston Celtics. It's, uh, it's still an unblemished record when you're up 3 nothing. Now it's 151-0. and zero. Again, courtesy of Inside the NBA. Man, the way that that went down was kind of crazy. I mean, we're talking about the Miami Heat in that game, winning from start to finish. The Boston Celtics had their worst quarter of the season in the first quarter, started the game 0 for 12. They were 0 for 10 in the third, or sorry, 0 for 10 from three in the first quarter, and the Miami Heat, while they weren't incredibly efficient on offense, Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler were the go-to 1-2 guys. And Bam Adebayo, while he was not anything on offense, like I said, he was 1-4 for four in the first half, had 4 points, picked up 3 fouls in the first half, and was still a plus 15 because Caleb Martin filled the offensive void and Bam Adebayo continued to be the focal point of everything they did on offense. And when Bam Adebayo went to the bench, Jimmy Butler stayed on the floor. Caleb Martin moved to the five and guarded, uh, usually it would be Al Horford, because they didn't leave Robert Williams on the floor to mismatch Caleb Martin, because that would be a defensive liability if they're going to play five out and a small lineup for Miami. It kept Robert Williams off the floor, but they would put Caleb Martin at the five, Jimmy at the four, and then have Struess, Vincent, and Kyle Lowry. Or they would have uh, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and Max Struess 
and a small lineup. There was no Cody Zeller. There was no Kevin Love. That was the defensive adjustment that Eric Spolstra made, switched up the lineups a couple times in the series, and I thought that was interesting that, again, even though Bam Adebayo won for four in the first half, four points, three fouls, and was still a plus 15, the best on the team for the Miami Heat. And then by the time we got into garbage time in the third quarter, he had a, or in the fourth quarter, he had some more buckets, but I know he started the game one for six. Let's listen in to Malcolm Brogdon of the Boston Celtics postgame talking about the torn tendon in his arm that kept him out for one of the games of the series, and he played through it admirably in Game 7, talking about that and the personnel decisions looking forward for the Boston Celtics. Again, Malcolm Brogdon at the podium postgame used to be a team with the defensive identity. You guys haven't really found that identity all year, and so you make the comeback off your defense, then tonight you're hurt, JT's hurt. You guys can't really seem to run consistent half-court offense. You can't get stopped. So what? why do you think that identity, like, once again kind of vanished, and how big of an issue was that for this team this year? It, it, it was the issue. Um, you know, I think it, this was a team in last year that uh, prided themselves on defense. I think defense was their calling card, and this year – Offense was our calling card, and I don't think you win championships, you know, uh, with a higher, with a better, def- with a better offense than you have a defense. Um, you know, I think pretty much we were the best offensive team in the league for sure. Depth, you can talk about the ways we can store, we can score our versatility on offense. Um, really, one through seven, one through eight, um, but defensively, I thought we have the versatility. I thought we have um, the talent defensively, but. Uh, you know, on any given night, we would just, you know, let go of the rope and, and have a lot of uh, breakdowns on that end. And then you guys were so focused on trying to create transition threes and find cross matches. So when you guys weren't getting in transition, you have the stagnation like you have tonight. What are the things you guys could have done from like, you know, running more plays, or just having more coherent idea of what you wanted to get to that could have made that problem better? Uh, you know, we talk all the time about ball movement um, and player movement and uh, sort of having a free-flowing offense and trusting each other. And uh, when we're not playing well offensively and shots aren't falling, um, I think we lose trust. I think that's how the game works. But um, I think we lose trust, and it, and it shows, and then we have more breakdowns on defense because we're not making shots, because we stop moving the ball. Um, then defensively it shows as well. Malcolm, do you guys need to, to diversify your, your, your offense? Is the team – too reliant on the three-point shot. The last two, you guys gutted out a win in six when you guys didn't have the three. But tonight, once it didn't go down, heads dropped. You're, you couldn't score. Does, do you guys need to diversify? Uh, you know, I think that's something we'll look at in the offseason. Um, that's, that's definitely a, a Joe question. Um, but for us, I think we can, I think we can be better. I think, we can, I think defensively is where the difference is for us more than anything. Um, whether or not you make shots. That was a game, whether or not we made shots, if we got stops, we could stay in that game. That's not a team that's going to score 120 points. It's not a team that's going to get out and transition and beat you that way. Um, They're going to slow the game down and play in in the half court. So if we can get stops, that's a game we can stay in even if we're not making shots. Um, But the fact of the matter is we didn't get stops. So that that, ultimately was, was the death of us. Malcolm, as you reflect on this series, their frustration with Game Seven. Do you think back about the first three games? Kind of, what's your your upshot? You know, in the moment. What do you mean upshot? Well, do you do you get frustrated? You got into this position and had to, given what happened in the first three games, were more frustrated with the outcome. Obviously, fresh here in Game Seven. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it's all around frustrating. Um, the, the hole we put ourselves in. It's hard. No one's climbed out of that hole. 
um, you know, and, and it was the same tonight. We couldn't climb out of the hole we created. I thought we showed how resilient we were, how good of a team we actually are, climbing out of it partially. Um, but not being able to finish it on your home floor, that's super disappointing. Um, and then getting beat in the way we got beat, um, they handled us tonight. So, um, you know, that's, that's definitely disappointing. Yeah, along those lines, I mean, coming into the playoffs, you told us you felt the best physically that you have going into a postseason. How disappointing is it that it had to end this way with you feeling the way you do? Yeah, uh, super disappointing. You know, I, I, I came here to, to win a championship, to, to help this team as much as I could. Um, I thought we had a great season. Um, after the season we had, uh, it's definitely uh, crushing. Um, and for me personally, you know, I, I, I did feel – I do feel great. My body feels great. I just have this tear in my in, in my arm, um, which is unfortunate, but it's part of the game. And uh, you know, I tried to battle through it. JT tried to battle through a uh, you know a sprained ankle, literally on the first play of the game. So, um, and there are guys on the Heat that are battling through stuff. So it's you know this is how the game is. Sometimes the ball doesn't roll your way, um, but we'll we'll regroup and we'll we'll be back next year. Malcolm. It- Everybody talks about how great this locker room is. You've been around. You know how rare it is to get a, a great locker room. How how can you, I, I guess guarantee might not be the best word, but how, how can you carry that over and make sure that the locker room is the same next year? Because you know year to year that, that that's hard to maintain. Uh, you know, it's a culture thing. Um, you know, I think top down, I think, the locker room has to be diversified. I think it has to have role guys that are willing to play their role, um, that are willing to sacrifice. It has to have your stars that are willing to be humble and that are willing to sacrifice at times. And then it has to have your leaders like Al Horford. Um, and it's hard to build a locker team, a locker room like that, to construct a roster like that. And we have it. As far as it being the same next year, you know, we got to keep the, the same culture and the same, you know, sort of identity within the locker room. But as far as personnel, that's not the player's decision. So um, all we can control is who will be back and, and who's in that locker room and um, replicating that feel and that camaraderie that we had this year. Malcolm Brogdon chatting it up post-game. I think it's interesting to think about where the Celtics go for here. Because, like, if Miami loses, it's pretty obvious where their next moves are. Because Max Struess is a free agent. Gabe Vincent is a free agent. They maybe move around Duncan Robinson's contract to accommodate bringing one or both of them back. And it's a little bit more complex and complicated with Boston. I know the Jalen Brown Supermax extension is going to be a topic of conversation going forward. All that stuff is wild and wacky and interesting. Last thing I want to mention on the Celtics before we uh, hear from Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler at the press conferences to close out the show. This was inside the NBA at halftime, breaking down the Boston Celtic performance, and specifically Charles Barkley had some thoughts on the Boston Celtics. Caleb Barkley, man, what a series he's had. 14. Gabe Vincent shipping in with eight. This is a, an others uh, themed American Express teammates. Derek White, after the uh, dramatics of Game 6 in Miami, has five, as does Marcus Smart. Uh, Jason Tatum, by the way, seven points on three of seven shooting in the first half, turned an ankle in the first possession of the game. Uh, Jalen Brown has 13 for them. But let's talk about Miami. Let's talk about what you've seen and given the energy of a Game 7. 
Well, firstly, Caleb Martin's so good, I'll give his twin brother a five-year, $50 million contract right now, the way he's playing. But the, when you're in a game seven, sometimes the gravity of the situation doesn't allow you freedom of thought. You kind of overthink things. You get out of character. Here's a long pass that should not be thrown at this time. And then all of a sudden, you're off to the races. But if you notice the Miami Heat, they settle down. They find the correct guy. That's a wide open shot. And he knocks it down. Again, the Heat. Great freedom of thought. They're not out of character. We don't like the pick and roll. Kyle Lowry didn't force it. Now he says, okay, you step back, I make you pay. He hits a shot that's uncomfortable and it's un not uncharacteristic. And now if you overplay Duncan Robinson, he says, I move to the basket. I don't just stand on the perimeter. They have had great energy, great freedom of thought. They're driving on the highway, making the correct change of lanes every single time. Meantime, Jimmy Butler, first half. Give me your impressions of what he's been able to do. He's got 11. I thought he was good, but I got to say something, man. Why he dumbass selfish place making my head hurt? Ernie, <laughs> let me tell you something. Glad I asked you about Jimmy Butler. I know, I but I, I can't let it go, man. I know, because I know. You got, if you just come to the game and say, we're just going to jack up threes, and if we win, we're going to win. If we miss it, we're going to lose. They're 4 for 21. They probably, I forget what they were in last game. 7 for 35. They, I mean, it's, it's, it's so bad to watch and play. There's no ball movement. There's no body movement. And it's just frustrating watching a team with this much talent just play stupid. Yeah, they missed their first 12 threes. Is that uh, the entire story on the Boston side? What else you got, Shaq? Yeah, you would think after the buzzer beater, you know, game seven, the don't, us, don't let us win win and them getting ready to make history, they would come out and play a little bit better. But Chuck, you're right. They're just jacking up threes. Just playing bad basketball. Again, they're having trouble with the Miami Heat zone. And listen, they just sit out there and they just shoot threes right there. Tough shot, tough pass right there. You got a guy rotating to you. But again, if I'm shooting zero for 10, I got to put my head down, go to the lane, and, you know, take a higher percentage shot. You're right, Chuck. They're just jacking up threes. And listen, game seven, first quarter, you cannot be zero for 10 and expect to make history. And, and, and thing that's crazy about it, there you go, perfect right there. And Ernie, the thing that's bad about it, I know today's NBA, you have to shoot threes, but there's a difference between good threes and bad threes. I mean, everybody, you know, Clay and Steph are the two greatest shooters ever lived. And for some reason, every fool in the NBA think now they have to just jack up threes all night. And you know what? If you're making them, that's fine. But the Celtics, they never, there's never any body movement or ball movement. And it's just, it's frustrating watching them play. Yeah, but on, 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 you, yeah. we talked about the Celtics in the frustration, but on the Miami side, the three-point shots are in rhythm. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen an NBA guy work out in the summer. Those are the shots that they're practicing. The way they're running to the, to the rim, running to the spot, is very similar to a workout. And so they're in rhythm. Those are the shots that those guys have been practicing their whole lives. And to me, that's been the difference. Eight out of 16 from deep for Miami. Boston, four out of 21. Fast break points, 12 to two in favor of Miami. The Heat have come here to Boston. Trying to take game seven and move on to the NBA Finals. Trying to keep history from being made. And so far, 52-41. Again, that sound is courtesy of TNT. We'll break down more Boston Celtics talk as the week goes along. Probably do a eulogy at some point. Bring Morgan from Australia on the show. Juju Talk Sports might come on. 
all of it is uh, all of it is interesting and fascinating and winding. But for now, let's listen into the Miami Heat. And first off, here is Eric Spolstra post game at the press conference. A lot of interesting stuff here. So if you've enjoyed passive-aggressive Joe Mazzulla, if you've enjoyed Malcolm Brogdon, if you've enjoyed the Inside the NBA analysis, here's some Miami Heat press conferences with Eric Spolstra. Immediately followed up by Jimmy Butler. Um, but, uh, you know, we uh, tip our hat to uh, the Celtics or- organization. They are first class. Um, you know, Pat feels a certain way about Boston, so I make sure that everybody feels a certain way about Boston. You know, that's part of my job as the caretaker. With that said, uh, there's great respect uh, for them uh, as competitors, and they they are first class. You look across uh, the way, um, just in terms of their ownership group and Brad and Joe and his coaching staff, they're good people, uh, and um, they're a class organization. And what happened last year, you know, obviously was on our mind and it, and it drove us th- this year and that's what you always hope from, for competition that uh, it can drive you to a higher level uh, and I think that's what you saw in this series this year uh, to be able to have to overcome a, a lot of stuff and um, in terms of answering your question uh, look uh, I, I think probably people can relate to this team you know their, their life is hard uh, professional sports is, is just kind of a, a reflection sometimes of, of life uh, that things don't always go your way um, and the inevitable setbacks happen and it's how you deal with a lot of different ways uh, that it can go um, it can sap your spirit it can take you a team down uh, for whatever reason uh, with this group it, it's it's steeled us and made us closer made us tougher uh, and you know, these are lessons that, uh, you know, hopefully we, we can pass along to our children, you know, that you can develop this fortitude. Um, and, and sometimes you have to suffer, you know, for the things that you want. And, and you know, game six, uh, the only thing, you know, that we could do is sometimes you have to laugh at the things that make you cry. Um, and we did so many things right. Uh, I think from a metric standpoint, we did everything the best that we did all of the playoffs, our defensive activity numbers, our rotations, uh, the extra efforts, uh, the pursuits on the offensive glass, five turnovers. We felt like we did all the right things. We had our, you know, season high numbers of uh, uh, of attacks, um, and then to come up short, um, you know, that that could puncture a, a team spirit. Uh, but instead, that just drove us. Uh, to, to more resolve to try to get the job done. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely noticed it uh, from the, after the Atlanta game, the next day in the film session, how badly this team wanted to keep this season going. And then I felt the exact same way yesterday when we met uh, after our flight. Everybody got to get everything out <laughs> of their system from the night before. And then we just focused on uh, rallying around each other um, and focusing on, on the next, next task. And uh, um, we have some incredible competitors in that locker room. They love the challenge. They love putting themselves out there in front of everybody, um, open to criticism, open to everything, but to compete for it. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, we, we know we have more work to do, but damn, is this hard. It is hard. It's hard. Business, 
Um, and it's hard to survive three rounds just to get to that final round. Um, we're extremely grateful for that. We're not even going to think about this next round until we get to Denver. Um, and I wanted everybody to acknowledge just how difficult it is and, um, you know, to enjoy this moment. You know, it's uh, it, the longer you're around uh, in this business, you realize the harder and harder it is to do something like this. It's a special group. Um, you now, so we'll definitely take this. Uh, and it's uh, poetic justice, you know, to be able to get it on this, this court. Tough, tough environment. Uh, we'll celebrate a little bit tonight on that plane to Denver, and then we'll we'll get on to that next challenge. Caleb came very very close to winning the conference finals MVP. Just yeah. a couple of votes. Just to put it simply, what did he mean, especially his offense, mean to you in the series? That's been amazing. Uh, you know, if, if you're a, a real competitor and it's in your soul, and that's what Caleb is. He's a competitor. Every bit the competitor that you know you talk about with Jimmy or Bam or you know whatever uh, Caleb is a competitor. You get to the higher stakes. The further you get along, the more competitors are going to reveal themselves. Um, you know, game sevens or get to the conference finals. It's not for everybody in this association. Otherwise, you know, more players, more teams would do it. You got to be. You, gotta, you have to be wired a little bit differently. Uh, and Caleb is. He's pure. Uh, he competes on both ends, lays it all out there for everybody to see. Um, he's accepted different roles, uh, but we needed him to be more of a player. You know, with, with, uh, with Tyler and Vic out, you know, we've needed more offense. Um, quite frankly, we've needed more guys like, uh, you know, Gabe and, and Caleb to, you know, show how much they've improved, you know, with their player development. Um, but uh, yeah, he has so much respect in that locker room, um, just because how hard he competes. Uh, it's like his last breath on every single possession, and I, I love the guy for that. Spo, you obviously have a roster full of competitors, but specific to Jimmy, we see what he does on the floor, but off the floor, how would you describe the belief he's instilled within the rest of the group? You have to have, uh, you know, a guy that you can hold on to. Um, you know, particularly uh, uh, in those moments of truth. Um, and I've said this before: there's no way to quantify the confidence that he can instill uh, in everybody. And you know, Jimmy's never had to apologize. I don't want him to ever apologize for who he is and and how he approaches competition. Uh, it's intense uh, you know it's not for everybody and, and we're not for everybody that's why we think it's like an incredible marriage um, we never judge him uh, on that he doesn't judge us for how crazy we get uh, it's the same language uh, but the confidence level that he can uh, create for everybody on the roster uh, is incredible um, I've almost Never seen anything like it, you know, but I have. Uh, uh, but he's, he's special, you know, because he does it on both ends of the court. Um, he can play 48 if you need him to. Um, and then he just has a way also that, you know, he has a hard edge uh, and he's, he's gnarly. 
but he knows how to have a soft touch just to give somebody some confidence at the right time. So that, that's a special gift that he has. In the uh, moments after game six, how did you consider how to play it to your team, how to present what needed to happen to your team? I didn't. I mean, you know, those are probably just raw emotions. Um, you know, I, I think when you have such an intimate relationship with a with a locker room, and they have it with each other, the staff has it with them. They have it with the staff. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, it's just whatever's raw, whatever's real at that time. Um, it w- wasn't scripted, and it's not even the reason why. Like we, we have uh, a bunch of guys that just love competition. Just drop us off anywhere and compete for it. Like, put ourselves out there open to all the criticism and, and everything. But, hey, it's got to happen between these four lines. We don't care what the rest of the world is saying. We don't care who, who's criticizing who. you got to line up in between these four lines and let's figure this out. Uh, and I think that's the nature uh, of this team that I think, you know, a lot of people respect. Um, because we have our, had our shares, uh, our fair share of um, setbacks and disappointments, frustration, but we just keep on picking ourselves up uh, and getting on to the next fight. I go to the day we were sitting in a conference room in Miami, and I asked you what you thought you guys needed to get over the threshold. And you said, in part, you knew you could get it done. Why was that belief? in that moment so strong and what does it feel like to be right i just know why coach pat and coach spo wanted me to be here and that's to compete at a high level and to win championships um, i know that the group that they put around me at all times is going to give me an opportunity to do so so I, I was always very very confident in that i work extremely hard with the team with brickley i can score on remy all day, every day, as I've posted on Instagram. So I'm just confident. I know the work that we all put into it, so I know what we're capable of. But nobody's satisfied. We haven't done anything. Um, we don't play just to win the Eastern Conference. We play to win the whole thing. Have you been uh, taken aback by some of the shots that Caleb Martin has made? We know he's he, he obviously is a, a tough competitor and has come a long way, but some of the shots he was hitting tonight and maybe even earlier in the series, did any of them, like, surprise you at all? No, that might have surprised you all to the untrained eye. Um, he just looks like he's an undrafted guy who's been in the G League, who's um, started in, what, Charlotte, and now he's here, started on a two-way contract. To y'all, that's what it looks like. To us, he's a hell of a player, a hell of a defender, playmaker, shot maker, all of the above. Everybody's seen Caleb work on those shots day in and day out. So it, it doesn't surprise us. We've seen it every single day, and I'm so proud and happy for him. And he's going to even be even better in this next round, and I don't think he's going to be the surprise to anybody else any longer. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Spo was just talking about Caleb saying that he has the respect of you guys being a competitor. How has he earned that aside from what he's done on the floor for you all? I mean, I think that everybody sees what he's doing in the games. But the real work is done when he's in the gym by himself with his trainer, all the countless amounts of reps, 
to prepare him for this moment. He doesn't shy away from it. Like, so many guys on our roster, they never shy away from the big moment. Um, we love them for that. We want them to continue to be that. And he's been huge for us. He really has been. He's kept us in the game. He's won us some games on both sides of the floor. I mean, if, if he ain't showed you on now, he's going to be in this league for a long time. Caleb is part of this, but this is the third game in this series where you guys shot 50% from three. It, what, what can you say about not, I mean, obviously you made some threes too, but the other guys on the team stepping up and just with incredible shot making throughout the series. <laughs> yeah, you want some freak boy stuff over here, man. <laughs> um, we, we just, you know, we stay with it. We stay the course, shoot the open shots, stay confident. Even when they're not going in, you got to take them. You got to take the right ones. Everyone that everybody takes, everybody thinks is going in. And then if you get that same shot, the next possession down, you got to take it again because we all think it's going in. Everybody's confidence is so high. We got belief that we can do something incredibly special. So we're going to um, hit the ground running when we get to Denver. And uh, I like our chances. Jimmy, I want to ask about something that's been talked about with the Heat for literally decades. But you guys came in as an eight seed, and you survived losing three in a row and all the history that was coming down at you. How does that apply to Heat culture, what, what you've been able to accomplish this particular spring? I'm, I'm not going to say losing three in a row is part of the Heat culture that we like to talk about because we don't play to lose. We don't want to lose. They're, they're an incredible team over there, and they will be for a while. I just think, you know, the guys that Coach Spo and, and Coach Pat put together, when a guy goes down, the next guy could fill in that gap and do exactly what that guy that went down did um, and do it at a high level. And then, you know, be humble enough to know that when that guy comes back, you got to take a step back and get back in your role. And nobody ever complains. They always do exactly what you ask of them to do, which is why you want to play with guys like that which is why they're the reason that we win so many games. I don't call them role players. I call them teammates because your role can change any given day, especially with how many games I've missed and, you know, in and out of lineup, off nights, whatever you call it. Um, but we, we got some hoopers. We got some real deal basketball players that can score, can defend, can pass, um, and can win games for us. You know in order to win a title and in the next round you're going to have to get – uh, everybody to raise their game up, especially on the defensive end. But specific to Jokic, what do you think the key will be to slowing him down in this series? I don't know. Um, I got two days to figure that out. We have two days to figure that out um, before game one. Oh, my God. Y'all saw that? <laughs> Goddamn Bumblebee. Um, so we, we will lock in on them. But, you know, I think we get to enjoy this till midnight, which is right around the corner. And then it's time to lock in on the Nuggets. So I'll be able to answer that for you when I talk to you on what, Wednesday, I think. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast, a wild and crazy Game 7, and we wanted to do something a little different on the post-game show here today. Make sure to leave a five-star review, a download. All of your support is greatly appreciated, and we appreciate all of you who continue to stop in and support this show. We'll have three more episodes coming at you this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday's episode will be a Game 1 post-game for the NBA Finals. 
We'll talk to you again tomorrow, and in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.